Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Club, where we're keeping it surreal and talking about all things odd, mysterious, and paranormal. This is show 23. Tonight, I'm delving into another seasonal rabbit hole, the roots of Christmas. Again, I'm alone for this one, so you're stuck with just me for this show. It's candid with mature content and some adult language, so be advised. Before we dive in too deep, remember to hit that subscribe button and give this show a thumbs up. Your support is what helps keep me bringing you fun and freaky shows with colorful guests, interesting ideas, and amazing stories. You should also keep in mind that I've included a few photos and videos in the YouTube version, so if you're listening to this, remember to check out the video too. You can find it easiest by browsing the video gallery on my website. My channels are full of fun little goodies that'll make you go, hmm. And they can all be found on my website, along with all of my social media, YouTube, and podcast links. TheRabbitHole.Club. That's right, I said .club. C-L-U-B. My show is also listed with all the podcast distributors under Colleen's Rabbit Hole Club. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, FYYD, and many more. That's spelled C-O-L-L-E-E-N-S, Rabbit Hole Club. If you or someone you know would like to share a scare, a show idea, a personal experience, or anything else odd and unusual, you can call my hotline at 816-514-5084. Leave a message there or send an email to submit at therabbithole.club. And now, on to the show. Starting this week's show, Let's take a look at this week's rabbit reel, reviewing the paranormal news around the world. First up, on November 28th, the sun's atmosphere rendered a giant crack, which released solar winds and ultra-charged particles barreling through space at 2.5 million kilometers per hour. It was estimated to hit the Earth on December 1st, but has now been pushed back to December 7th and 8th. The gale force solar winds may have an effect on the northern lights, as well as some EMF-sensitive areas like communications and weather-related issues. The sun has been very busy lately, and there are high hopes it will assist with the planetary evolution we've been experiencing over the last few years. On a personal note here, my guides have been telling me that's what we're experiencing on our planet right now, an evolution. I know this is a scary and overwhelming time, but it's also the most amazing time in our history on this planet to be alive and witness this evolution of us and our beautiful Earth. They tell me that we're the center of attention in the universe because of this very rare and amazing occurrence, and we have an audience of universal and dimensional beings from all reaches of life to watch this happen. Hence, all of the strange new cryptids, dimensional beings, and UFOs being reported all over the world. Also in Sun News, Sun and UFO explorer Scott Wehrer, yes, we talked about him last week too, has again found what looks like a city under the surface of the sun. What? While reviewing NASA's SOHO imagery, which is what he does a lot of, he saw what he describes as a portion of a city visible through the parting surface material of the sun. He says this is the second time he's seen this, the first time being in 2013, and compares it to a real Dyson sphere existing inside our own sun. 
According to Wikipedia, a Dyson sphere is a hypothetical megastructure that completely encompasses a star and captures a large percentage of its solar power output. But isn't the sun too hot for life to exist there? Some scientists say our sun isn't really as hot as we think it is, but is instead an electromagnetic center with a zero point that does not generate heat but the radiation emanating from it passes through our atmosphere, resulting in the heat we so commonly associate with our sun. There's a whole lot more to this theory, but we'll leave it here with some stuff to ponder. In other news, the tiny village of Yoro, Honduras has regular rains of fish falling from the sky. Yes, I said raining fish. Raining fish, frogs, and other strangeness has been experienced the world over as strange anomalies, but the farming village of Yoro looks forward to the fish falling from the sky once a year or even several times a year. It happens for them at least once a year and usually in May or June. Since they are a farming community, the extra protein is considered a godsend and on the scientific side, there is no explanation as to why or where these fish are falling from. Sad news next author and journalist Linda Godfrey has passed away. Godfrey was well known as the lady who popularized the Beast of Bray Road, which was a series of news articles about the werewolf-like creatures stalking around the backcountry of Michigan. She went on to interview hundreds of witnesses and write countless articles, as well as 19 books on the subject of Dogman and other cryptic creatures. She will be sorely missed and always appreciated as the one skeptical writer who discovered not everything is as it seems in this world. Thank you for all you did, Miss Godfrey. That's not all the weirdness in the world this week, but that's all we have time for in this episode. This week in Colleen's Colloquy, we have a bit of a mind bender and a good lesson in selflessness. Spend one whole day being conscious of how many times you say, I, me, my, or mine. My guides have me do this exercise every now and then, and it's not easy to cut those words out of daily conversation. Try it. It'll blow your brain. And now, down the rabbit hole we go. This week, in light of the holiday, I thought we'd go into the roots of Christmas. It's probably not what you're thinking, and it's likely to upset some folks, but hey, we're here to learn and explore. So, let the learning and exploring commence. First, let me open by saying that I am a Christian only in the sense that I believe in the Christ energy. I have priceless experiences with this energy and I hold Jesus Christ in high esteem, both in this world and in my own life. But I'm not the member of any organized religion and I don't ever plan to be. I'm kind of a mishmash of beliefs and they're all based on my own experiences, which means they are subject to change as I learn and grow. I believe we all have that right and privilege, so I don't judge anyone for what they feel is their truth. That's actually something that Jesus gave us, the spirit of truth. You can feel it when something rings true, and in my opinion, that's all his fault. You're welcome to your own opinion because we have been graced with free will and choice, not to mention we all have our own lessons here. I honor and respect that, and so should you. So. The whole point of Christmas is to honor Jesus and his birthday, right? Well, that's certainly the root according to the yearly celebration in our modern society. But was Jesus really born on December 25th? Probably not. It's just the day we honor as being his birthday. But there's no real record to prove the actual date. 
There are clues in the Bible, but absolutely nothing solid on a date, or really a year either. According to Wikipedia, this date was assumed in the 3rd century by Hippolytus of Rome, and he based his calculation on the guesstimation that Jesus was conceived on the spring solstice. He counted forward nine months, and it came to December 25th. The Catholic Church is thought to be responsible for the official date being adopted as the birth of Christ, and some reports say it was because the date coincided with the winter solstice and the pagan Roman celebration of the birth of the unconquered sun. That's sun, S-U-N. Many cultures purely celebrated the winter solstice as the time when the days got longer and the weather got warmer. History says that the church wanted to make the date more appealing to the pagan converts, which can also be seen in many holidays and holiday traditions. The actual story of the birth of Christ is another interesting thing to look at because there are several other virgin birth stories that go way back in history and culture. Some of these tales coincide to a crazy degree and predate the story of Christ's birth. One similar story is that of Isis, Osiris, Horus, and Thoth. This story predates the birth of Christ significantly, although, and since no one has specific dates on either one, I can't tell you exactly how long. Thousands of years ago, in ancient Egypt, is the best I can do, since Thoth was supposed to have kick-started the Egyptian civilization, and he was there for hundreds of years as a living god who also ascended. It's really super ancient. Other virgin births include a whole string of Greek stories, like Mars impregnating Rhea Silvia with Remus and Romulus, who went on to be the legendary founding fathers of Rome. Some stories say Buddha was born of a virgin birth, while others dispute that claim. Whatever the case with Buddha's birth, his life closely parallels that of Christ, like going to the temple when they were both 12 years old and astonishing everyone with their uncanny knowledge, and both of them started their ministries at the same age too. Then we have Krishna, who was said to be of divine virgin birth. His adopted mortal father was a carpenter. He raised the dead healed many afflictions, which included making a leper whole and healthy. And he was called the Lion of the tribe of Saki, while Jesus was called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Both of them claimed to be the resurrection. Both were betrayed by a close companion whom they forgave. Both had a last supper and then were crucified and resurrected. Dionysus is another mythical figure with parallels to the story of Jesus. One of the most striking was that he was born on December 25th, brutally killed and resurrected on March 25th. For more on this, you might look up the movie Zeitgeist. Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T. It's available all over the place and goes into a lot of depth on this subject. These are only a few examples of these particular Christmas roots, and I've only scratched the surface here. But some of these tales have directly affected the customs we have in today's world as our Christmas traditions. For instance, the Christmas tree. Evergreens have always held special reverence to people, even as far back as ancient Egypt. They were used in homes all over the world to ward off bad vibes, evil spirits, and harmful things of all varieties. It was thought that because they were always green, they offered year-round abundance and protection. It wasn't until the 15th century that the first decorated tree made an appearance at Christmas, and that was in Latvia. The village men decorated the tree with roses, 
danced around it, then set it on fire in homage to Mother Mary. In the early 1600s, it was fairly common in Germany to decorate evergreen trees and wreaths with apples. This was in celebration of Adam and Eve Day, which used to be on December 24th, and is an old holiday organized by the Catholic Church, which is no longer a thing. In the 1700s, most of Germany, Austria, and some of France were decorating Christmas trees with lots of sweets, which earned them the nickname Sugar Trees. It was in the 1800s when German families introduced the tradition to the United States, and the glass globe ornaments replaced candies and cakes. Sears Roebuck started selling branches in their catalog in 1883. 33 branches for 50 cents and 55 for a dollar. Christmas trees became so popular that there was actually a tree shortage by the early 20th century. Now, only about 18% of Christmas trees in the United States are real. In 1882, electric lights replaced candles in the tree and were mass-produced as early as 1914. From there, the tradition has grown all over the globe and anyone who celebrates Christmas will probably have a tree decorated in their home. Gift-giving is another holiday tradition, but contrary to our modern assumptions, these roots do not lie in Christianity. The Romans are largely to blame for this custom, and they started it as a pagan tribute to Saturn, who was the god of agriculture. Gift-giving was a way to honor Saturn, and in turn, promote health, wealth, and a plentiful harvest. It was later in our timeline when the three wise men enriched the spirit of giving by gifting dear little baby Jesus with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As for some of our obviously modern traditions, let's investigate some history. To begin with, Christmas was declared a federal holiday in the United States in 1870 by President Ulysses S. Grant. Notice I said federal holiday, not national holiday. There is a difference. A federal holiday is recognized by the government, while a national holiday is not. Way before Christmas was a legal holiday in the U.S., the Yule Log was burning in traditional celebration. The Yule Log is another fun thing that started with the Norse to celebrate the winter solstice hundreds, maybe even thousands of years ago. They'd throw a giant log in the fire that had been harvested from their own land or the land of a neighbor, started on fire with remnants of the Yule Log from the previous year, which had likely been stored under the homeowner's bed, and feast for at least 12 hours without stoking the fire or until everyone was finished with their food. Then they would gather around the fire and tell ghost stories, watching the shadows cast by the firelight. If anyone cast a headless shadow, it was said they would surely die within the year, but the Yule Log was really intended to bring luck to everyone in the home. It was believed that each and every spark from the Yule Log was a blessing to new livestock born to the farmer. All family members would write a wish on a piece of paper and throw it on the flaming log in hopes their wish would be granted. This was a time-honored tradition for so many generations, but then, in 1966, WPIX-TV aired a 17-second loop of a log burning in the fireplace with Christmas music playing, which lasted for three hours. It was so popular, it's been a thing since then, and you can find a bunch of those videos streaming, although burning your wish might be a bit difficult. In 1965, Charlie Brown's Christmas made its television debut with nearly half of all US TVs tuned in for the show. I remember begging dad to look in the TV guide to see when it aired every year. 
We all gathered around the TV as a family and it held as a Christmas tradition ever since. There were also the animated and claymation favorites like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with the Abominable Snowman, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and The Year Without a Santa Claus with Heat Miser and Snow Miser. When I was growing up, the week before Christmas was filled with these classics and we all looked forward to them. Hell, my boyfriend and I even watched them just last week. It was super silly and very nostalgic. If you're curious, I found two of them on YouTube, but you have to buy Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And of course, my personal Christmas classic favorite, The Nutcracker. The Nutcracker Ballet was written by Tchaikovsky and premiered on stage in St. Petersburg in 1892. Tchaikovsky often said it was his least favorite piece, but it has endured for over 100 years as a holiday tradition. I worked this magical stage production with the Kansas City Ballet for many years, and I have to say, even though I've heard it a thousand times, I love the music, and I love the magic of the show. It never gets old. However, out of the countless Nutcracker performances I've been involved with, I've always seen the show from backstage and never from the audience. Same magic, different perspective, but still just as sweet. Speaking of sweets, candy canes are also on this list. Candy canes were originally a German treat way back in the 1670s, but then made their way into the States in the 1840s where a guy placed one on a tree and the tradition was born. By the 1950s, machines were cranking out candy canes en masse, and they are still a tasty Christmas staple. Christmas cards! The first Christmas card went out in 1843. The idea caught on, and by the 1950s, Kansas City's Hallmark cornered the market on greeting cards with a current estimate of 1.6 billion holiday cards being sent every year. Whew! So, there are some Christmas roots for you. I know I probably missed a lot, but we'll save some of that for future years. If you can think of something you'd like to share, feel welcome to shoot your ideas my way and I'll start collecting for next Christmas. Until then, may the spirit of the season bless you and yours. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Oh, and happy birthday, Jesus. Maybe it isn't the exact date you were born, but you sure have the most epic birthday party each year of anyone ever. That's my show for this week. Thanks to my wonderful boyfriend and my amazing family for helping me get this project off the ground and rolling it to a good place. Next week, I'm going to a subject that's near and dear to my heart, fairies and elemental spirits. It'll be such fun, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening and keep it surreal.